Hey folks, this is Anatoly, and you're listening to the Solana No Sharding Podcast. And today I have Rodolfo as a partner at Foundation Capital. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've known you almost as long as I've been working on blockchain. Yeah. Um, and you guys were like one of the super early investors in the space. Yeah. And I, I'd like just to love to hear your perspective about how you started thinking about this entire space as more than just like a gimmick and then like something real. Yep. So I guess like the uh, the kind of like how did you go down the Bitcoin rabbit hole yeah. uh, story? Um, started pretty much since I joined Foundation in um, mid 2013. Um, I joined as a as an intern to look into financial services uh, and financial uh, technology innovation at the time. Um, Foundation had. Uh, invested in Lending Club at the time, and over the course of the next few years, we invested in a lot of other um, financial technology companies, uh, whether it was uh, loan origination, asset management software, and so on. When I joined, uh, my um, interests were also in kind of like what other areas of technology are, are interesting that are toys today, but that over time might become valuable and uh that are interesting to me, but probably not interesting to a lot of people. Um, and so that as a as a prospective investor, can I become differentiated over time uh, if, if the sector takes off? Um, but for the most part, I just found the the crypto community early on very fascinating. So July 2013, I, I went to one of the first uh, Bitcoin conferences in New York, um, and it was just fascinating. It was a pirates and and just uh <laughs> you know everybody was uh pitching um a crypto exchange at the time or a wallet and it was it was just fascinating it was the notion of like the government can never stop us and like it, it's just not um it's just a new paradigm right and it felt so much like um my early computer days where like I was just getting into places that I should not be getting into and, and you know, <laughs> the, had the same ethos. Yeah, that, that's cool, man. That, that was like how I felt like when I first kind of stumbled into the space and like started talking to the folks here, it felt so similar to like the 90s internet. Like, I don't know if people remember this magazine called 2600, but this is where like they teach you how to like, you know, hack like a phone system or something like that. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it had that same uh, same feeling. Like I remember, I mean, growing up in, in Mexico City, I remember breaking a couple of PlayStations. I remember, uh, yeah, breaking a couple of computers and then building my own computer and that, that sort of thing. So it, it felt very much like like that, like um, just getting into the nuts and bolts of things and moving settings and playing playing with things. And and over time, that that became a, a bit more of an investment area uh, for us. Our, our first uh, seed investment was 2014 into Block Cipher, cool. Um, which at the time was just uh, very simple software in some ways, like uh, Block Explorer for Bitcoin transactions and predicting whether uh, a transaction would uh, would actually happen or not, or whether there was a double spend attempt and, and so on. And then fast forward to a couple of years later, one of the one of the things that was holding us back from making more investments in, in, in crypto as we were learning more about the space and we're fascinated by the technology and, and the opportunities was that when we were looking at the 
quality of the teams that were working on crypto-related projects compared to the quality of the entrepreneurs that were working in, in other areas of technology within our portfolio, there was a little bit of a disconnect uh, where it was, you know, the quirky te technologies that, that was tinkering more so and the, and the place that they were tinkering on suddenly became extremely valuable. And they were trying to build businesses on the back of that uh, newfound fortune. But they, they were lacking a lot of the tools to just build a company or build a business. Got it. And so it was uh, challenging to, to back them under the kind of like traditional venture, venture model. Around 2016, 2017, you started to see a flip uh, where some of the smartest people were were coming off of their either prior company or acquisition or were deciding of like what to do next. And there's always this incubation of idea period and entrepreneurs were, or prospective entrepreneurs were increasingly coming at it as like, mm, this blockchain thing or this crypto thing looks very interesting. Why don't we spend a little bit of time? And, and suddenly there was a flip where people were not interested in doing another SaaS uh, company. They were interested on, uh, on doing something in, in you know, a layer one protocol or consensus algorithm or cryptography and so on. And then it became a lot more interesting to be a, a venture investor in the space because at least for the, for the model that we follow within foundation, we're, we're trying to back entrepreneurs that are trying to build something big. Now, I think in, in crypto, one of the things that happened is that um, people started innovating on so many fronts that it, it was hard to keep yeah. something together, right? It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like impossible to follow all the mm -hmm. projects that are being developed at the same time. But, and, but that's what makes it super interesting. Um, I think a lot of venture investors struggle uh, thinking about how to approach investing in the space because the innovation is on so many layers whether there is the from the financial instrument um, you know the saft was created just a couple of years ago and people were iterating in in real time um, the legal jurisdiction in which projects are operating whether it is a company or it is a foundation it is a protocol uh, what it, what exactly are you funding it's it's not a it's not a straightforward answer and even for the projects themselves, understanding what are the right metrics to track and, and where to focus your efforts is, is also not a, not a clear answer, right? So it requires kind of coming at it with a, a bit of an open mind and, and an exploratory uh, mindset. And for certain investors that have more of a defined box and a company that doesn't fit that box is just not in the consideration criteria, um, sometimes it becomes a, a little bit challenging for, for them. Um, um, have, it's it like it seemed like in those 2016 2017 like funding was i mean like i think even even now it's still like it's pretty fast to get funding but like i'm not sure if we've if we know if those like ideas that people tried have succeeded or failed yet yeah right like it's only been like two years right like two three years but we still don't know is it possible to build like a true layer one competitor to ethereum yeah it's even more fundamental than that. I think for a lot of projects, we still don't know whether they are scams or they're or, or if they don't <laughs> yeah. make it, it's because they they really tried and it right. was a very yeah. difficult technical economic regulatory but, challenge and and it failed just because yeah. entrepreneurship uh, has a you know, 
2% success rate. Uh, That's true. On a number of cases. But, but there are some parallels. Um, in the dot-com era, if you look at analyst reports from the early 2000s and looking at the, or actually even before that, the mid-90s, and the first uh, companies that were trying to build stuff on top of the web, the way that they were tracked was eyeballs, right? And and then fast forward to now you have companies that are generating big earnings yep. and but it's a little bit of a funnel, right? Like you start with eyeballs and then over time accounts and then transactions and then GMV and then revenue and then yep. finally profits. But it is a it is a long cycle for for those. Yeah, I mean that <laughs> that's scary. If if the cycle is going to be this long as an entrepreneur, I'm I'm scared that if it's really going to be from 1996 to what was it 2004, where Facebook really like proved that here's a social network, we're going to make a lot of money on it. Yeah, right. Like that's almost that's eight to ten years, right? Like, well, but but you have eBay. Uh, that, that's true. Which is a super clean business yep. model that continued to succeed despite itself. Uh, you had Yahoo for many years and, and so on. And, and I think like the, the value creation is so dramatic when, when things start to click that I think it's still very early days. And, and generally what you find across most of the areas of technology that, that, that we track is that the cycles are actually shrinking um, for everything. Like companies that find product market fit their growth curves are so much more dramatic than they were five years ago or six yeah. years ago. Got it. That's that's true. Like I think Uber like is an example of that where there was this like you know say what you will about Uber right, but they really like ex they really show that how you can go from almost a company no one's ever heard of to like a global like in, like Behemoth. superpower right? yeah. yeah basically yep yeah th those uh, those power laws are are. Pretty amazing because even today, so uh, depending on what uh, the the market cap is today, whether it's fifty billion or sixty billion, right? Uh, Uber would be at ten percent of what Facebook is, and Facebook is not even at the at the level of I think Facebook, give or take, is at six hundred uh, right. billion. Um, and then you take uh, Google and Amazon, yeah, and they like Apple, continue to right. step up uh, <laughs> over and over, right? Yeah. And so it all together is just such early days for the for the space. The Going back to your your initial uh, question on kind of like when when we first met and, and so on, one of the things that I, I probably over the last few years I've talked to probably two or three hundred uh, companies uh, operating in, in crypto, and I must confess that I'm a generalist investor. So uh, aside from crypto, I cover other areas: um, financial services, consumer, Latin America, and so on. So it's like it's not my full-time thing. Um, so I'm never the deepest uh, knowledgeable person in crypto. But there's only been, I think, like three times in in all of the crypto investments that I've done where it literally like it broke my brain uh, talking <laughs> to the to the entrepreneur and seeing it uh, so clearly. And fortunately, it. Um, one of those was Solana, for oh. sure. Uh, <laughs> where I was just like, "Oh, this totally makes sense. This is this is." Uh, can you share what the other two? Can you can you share what the other two were? So another one was Algorand. Okay. Um, I was uh, I was in New York for a board meeting, and I was uh, listening to a podcast by by Silvio while I was on the run. And I literally had to stop, physically stop three times, and rewind. It's like, no, this doesn't make sense. Like, 
this this is a contradiction and I would come back and it's like oh no this actually makes sense and then but and then answering those questions of like well if this is true then this other three things have to either be true or this is a scam and and ultimately it kind of made sense and then I just decided to reach out and also and find my way into investing in that um, it, it doesn't happen that often and when it happens it's just such a magical um, thing um, you know, if, if you go from 300 to like just a few that yep. you're literally like, you just fill it in your in your stomach in a, in a kind of like weird uh, way. Um, it's cool that as an investor, you have the ability to then act on that and, and then just go that, after it. That's been like a really refreshing part of the space is that I often like find my brain blown away. Right? Yeah. Like talking to other engineers, like to me, this was like the first introduction to like zero knowledge proof and zero knowledge computation. And that like, I struggled to believe that that was possible for like a solid two months. And yeah. like I had to reread the papers and like kept bugging folks on Telegram, like Zaki, like, hey, is this really true? This is really how it works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, I think like those technologies are so hard to build. Like those folks, like what, one of the things I was talking to uh, Brendan Ike when he was on the show is that like he was there in the dot-com boom and he felt that like, you know, you, you can have a startup where it needs to solve like maybe two hard technology problems and then your chances of success are like one in a hundred. Mm -hmm. But if you have three or four, then it's like just it gets exponentially worse, right? Yeah. Like another, another one, it means one in a thousand will work, right? Like... I'm I'm afraid that like a lot of the really ambitious projects in the space ha are trying to solve three or four really hard technology problems at the same time. Um, how do you is that what you guys see, or do you do you think that like these we're we're actually like a li a little bit like it it should be easier than it is like because we haven't seen like a lot of projects launch. Like, yeah, um, it is much harder. I think the the complexity level is is a lot harder than what anybody expected, right? Because it is it is like reversing a lot of the life cycle of a of a company, where if you look at a typical startup, right, like you start with two people, a PowerPoint, um, maybe a friends and family round, followed by a seed round, and then a Series A, Series B, whatever, and it's generally milestone based, where yeah. You make some progress and then you convince people that you made enough progress and then somebody um, gets convinced enough that they will uh, fund you or not yeah. right whereas post ico the, the nature of these protocols um, became so that you would have an idea propose a paper of different degrees of quality and then <laughs> convince people that they could make money instantly on that idea that became the fundraising mechanism for that idea, but the milestones were yet to be met. Um, yeah. and, and there was no sense of governance or accountability in the traditional way, which it's, it's important because there, there are some innovations in that, in that front that are promising, right? Like the notion of DAOs and, and, and so on. But at the same time, like on, on the traditional kind of like um, legally limited liability um, companies and so on like you you do have i don't know a few hundred years of um law um behind them and that explain certain things around you know 
fixing or trying to navigate the agency problems yeah. and, and, and so on. Um, but even just incentives for founders, right? Like, yeah, I mean, if, if you don't, if all of a sudden you like raise a hundred million dollars, one is I think you're, you might not be as motivated to ship. Yeah. And like a lot of folks, even well intentionally, might start building a cathedral when they should be just like, yeah. Trying to like build like you know their V zero bicycle, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. But but again, it's like still early. Just right. just as much as with the DAOs and and just as much as with the Web uh, 1.0, right? It's like you just don't know what yeah. uh, what's in the future, and you're trying your best to to figure things out. Um, it, it's a lot easier when you're looking backwards, and and then the patterns sometimes become clear. But when you're in the middle of it, um, some of the decisions. You know, um, looking back, right? It would be the world we would be a little bit different if Snapchat sold to Facebook or, yeah, or if yeah. Yahoo sold and, yeah. and so on. It's like, um, do you guys are you guys starting to see like early signs of general public adoption of the space, or are we still too? Is it still too early? Like, so and that's one of the intriguing things about the the space that. For for protocols that in theory are just publicly available, where everybody should have access to the ledger, we just don't know, right? Um, you have projects like Ken, right, that is uh, controversial at the moment uh, in terms of them they're claiming certain number of uh, users and and pretty fast adoption. And if you're in some of the crypto chat groups. Uh, a lot of people are skeptical of that activity, yep. um, and it's a really hard thing to validate uh, at just right now, despite the protocols being uh, publicly available. And there are so many other projects as well, right? Like where I think it goes back to the notion of like how what are the right metrics to track um, in terms of engagement activity, user accounts, and so on. And this is going to be a difficult problem to solve. Because this is a like innately more privately oriented uh, customer base, right? Like big part of the promise here is that you're not tracking your customers. You're and so we have to find a way to get comfortable with the notion that you're going to have far less information about these users and about the activity that is happening in the protocol, because that's part of the promise of the of the of the whole space. And like, how, like I mean, that makes just even the harder the. the it's just so much more challenging as an entrepreneur. How do you know that you have product market fit? Yeah, it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. Do you think like, so I mean, like I, I, I love the idea of DeFi, like the fact that you can potentially like, you know, my mortgage could be funded by like 100 million people, right? That all take a tiny slice of that risk. Yep. I mean, without any middlemen involved. To me, that seems like the promise of it. Do you think we're seeing early signs of real adoption there or is it still kind of like speculation based mostly and and is that enough is that like is, is the speculation like a adoption right like is that good enough <laughs> well i mean i think it is what what we have right, right. Um, so we have to make the best out of it um because like i, I guess like part of what the way that i think uh just taking another step back is that um when i think of what has the internet does that done for the world? In terms of information, it has enabled information storage, information uh, processing, and information flows. And and I think 
the the fundamental innovation of crypto blockchain as a, as a whole is that up until now information and value did not travel in the same uh, rails and at the same speed and that now going forward you have the ability to make value and information travel at the same time and with no additional marginal cost and, and so on theoretically and and this notion of digital scarcity right and so i think right now we're trying to figure out as a whole collectively what does that mean and and so for these protocols to succeed it just means that over time just similar to what has happened in other um, business model innovation areas is that the next generation of entrepreneurs managers and and people have the ability to make better decisions at the end user level or at the end employee line employee level um, with more information and availability and of of that value uh, yep. natively and so I think that's the part that it's harder to accelerate, right? Because yeah. I think as entrepreneurs, you still need the wave of digital natives and so on, right? Like people that have grown up uh, playing with uh, crypto as a more valid method of transaction than than the yeah. bank or the traditional um, in a sense like institution. It- I mean, like, I think that's a really good way to, to frame it. Like, if, if we're really, it, 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 almost, it, it almost seems like a similar paradigm shift to, like, the internet. And in that sense, like, it took a lot of human brain adoption to start to understand what the internet is and to yeah. start using it, like, kind of secondhand. Yeah. And until that happened, I think, once that happened, then we started seeing, like, these companies like Uber, I would say, is one of, an example of this, like, bit, the barriers of communication disappear between like person that wants a car and the driver that has it. Right. Like, and I don't know like how long that's going to take for people to understand that, like the barriers to value transfer have disappeared. I don't think it's going to take that long. That's, that's what makes me optimistic because so now that I've been in, in, in venture capital for like um, almost seven years, I'm starting to see kind of like cycles of, of the same pitch uh, coming back like five or six years later, and it's just that something has changed in the environment, right? It's either yeah. more mobile adoption, or now it's the adoption of 5G. And in some of our other conversations, we've talked about like how Zolana might be used for for telco right. use cases, yeah. right? And it's really funny because I, I was sharing that with my partners, and some of my partners have been in, in the venture industry for. I don't know, 20 years and, and we're investing in the prior uh, telco boom and, and we have portfolio companies, some successful, some not successful. And they were laughing because it was like, oh, we literally funded a company that was promising to do that. <laughs> Five and years ago, it didn't work yeah. for XYZ reason. <laughs> and so then it's actually really fun to go and do the archaeological work to find out what those pitches were. And, and now maybe the difference is that um, 5G literally being an order of magnitude um, uh, more local, right. then that makes uh, right. makes a difference, right? And so, who knows? But that, even taking it right. longer, yep. I was reading some of the Isaac Asimov uh, short stories, and there's like a proto Uber uh, <laughs> describing one of the short stories, like the one with the little car and and the car kind of like drives itself yeah. and it's like part of the network. It's like some of these ideas are are new in some ways but they're not necessarily that new it's just something has changed that enables somebody to give it a shot and and succeed at it yeah that, that's really interesting point 
Um, like I, so like I had a, our CTO, Greg and I, and a couple other folks at college, we had a startup doing voice over IP mm. and this was like programmable phones where you can like do all sorts of stuff. I'm, I'm sure there's still companies that are pitching this. Oh, this sure. is like, here's like a phone system that's programmatically controls everything, how voice is, is moving around. And like, I don't, I don't know if, if now is a better time to succeed at that or not, but like post com crash, it was really tough for like entrepreneurs in central Illinois to like oh, get something sure. off the ground. It does seem like Silicon Valley has kind of like, we had crypto winter, but it, I don't know. It seemed like very localized because it seemed like the rest of Silicon Valley was not slowed down at all. Like, I don't know. It, it's like the, the whole cycle of startups. Is it, is it become really professionalized? Is it like a, an industry where it's just going to keep going in its own self? I, I think we have seen for different subsectors some real slowdowns. Uh, at different points in the last five years. But in aggregate, some of the activity on the consumer side, on the enterprise side, has been big enough that it continues to carry the, the ecosystem. And so, and when you look at as a whole, I think today the S&P 500, the market cap of the largest tech companies is about 20% of all yeah, the S&P 500, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I cannot recall any higher level of concentration um, for a long time. And, and I think like generally that presides um, <laughs> over, over a period of uh, either a big crash coming or, or something uh, material, right? Yeah. But when you look at the, like the multiples and the earnings of the, of the tech companies on, on the large side, it looks really good. Um, the valuations are not crazy for Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, and the fundamentals of those businesses are, are very strong. One one of my partners has this anecdote of um, one product of Yahoo, uh, Yahoo Groups or something like that, not even having a product manager, even though it was a, a, a product in itself that was yeah. used by, I think like 50 million yeah, people at yeah. the time and so on, right? This, this new generation of the Facebook, Google, and Amazon are not really resting on their laurels. And, and so you're not seeing the rates of decay and kind of like corporate laziness that you saw in some of the uh, early winners of the internet era, right? So the complacency that eBay demonstrated, like you're not finding that in, in the case of Facebook, Amazon, and, and Google, oh, right? Like they're making massive investments. Yeah. You know, like I, this, this to me, like looking at like kind of history, honestly think that this came out of Sun Microsystems, that they had such a really good management structure where there was like incentivized everybody in the company to go work towards a goal, right? And you had your review cycle, that which that whole system was adopted far and wide by Silicon Valley. And I don't think it exists outside of tech companies. Like, I don't, I don't know if you have like the same thing at like, maybe you do not at Walmart, but like for 12 years at Qualcomm, I had like every six months, this is how how you accomplish your goals. These are your next goals. Yeah. And like, go like on this ramp to execute them faster and better. Right? Yeah, you're seeing you're seeing more and more adoption of the of the OKR method. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and and I think um, I invest a lot in in 
in some other uh, geographies, in particular, I've been spending a lot of time in Latin America. And and now the ability of, of entrepreneurs down there, and I think it's the same for other geographies, to just learn the best practices via blogs and all of the Google Launchpad and, and incubators and accelerators and people, um, the diasporas of, of people that... You know, you have one uh, successful entrepreneur here in Silicon Valley that starts hiring the local uh, best uh, high quality engineer pool in their local universities and so right. on and establishing engineering hubs. Like all of these best practices are, are getting disseminated a little bit more. And and that's another thing like on, on why the slowdown might look very different uh, next time around, because you're, you're starting to see. Um, startups that are distributed from the beginning and that are coming to Silicon Valley, tapping into world-class access to capital, but then spending that capital in local engineering because it's a lot cheaper. Yep. And then kind of like taking the best of, of all of the options that they have available and keeping that connection between the Silicon Valley node and their local office. And and, and you're starting to see very successful companies that operate under this model, right? Like uh, whether it's uh, GitHub, GitLab, um, and and obviously one of the things that is super exciting about companies in, in, in crypto and, and blockchain in general is that the, the default is like, we don't need to be centralized, right? Like right. we have to have this ethos and, and we're living it and paying people in crypto and it doesn't matter where you are. Um, I was meeting with a company yesterday, uh, Crypto in the Space, that their ethos is like, we pay by the quality of work and we have full transparency on, on our salaries. And so it doesn't matter if you decide to live in Poland or, or in uh, Mexico or Argentina, whatever, just as much as it doesn't pay, like we're not gonna pay you more to live in San Francisco. So that's yeah. like fully your choices, but we're gonna pay by the quality of the contribution. Which this, is a, it's a very refreshing uh, yeah, approach. Yeah. This was like a, a talk I heard uh, Balaji give on like one of the craziest innovations in crypto is this ability to decentralize labor and capital. And that like yeah. his theory was that like capital might even have more power because now your better bet, right, is to like get the highest paying job, go remotely into the cheapest place to lower your standard of living and then invest, right? Like find those companies that can like leverage these new technologies and scale up i have a uh, i'm an investor in a in a company called platzi that is um, a tech school in, in latin america they have uh, about 1 million registered users and and they charge in the grand scheme of things not a not a high subscription fee it's like 300 dollars a year and with that you get access to a whole library of um, tech related courses so whether it is uh, coding across, you know, front end, back end, the, the whole thing. And then another set of courses to succeed in the digital economy. So whether it is uh, finance, entrepreneurship, design, marketing, and so on. They, they typically have people coming at the kind of like minimum wage mark uh, for Latin America, which might be between three and six hundred dollars uh, a month. And after taking one or two uh, years of coursework with the with the platform, people are between doubling and ten xing their income on a on a monthly basis. It's amazing, and basically for life because yeah. now they can tap into all of the outsourcing boom, start their own companies, and so on. And now they have 
I think six um, of their students are, are have been funded by Y Combinator now. Oh, that's amazing! And they're tapping and then just uh, fundraising here and then just yeah. going back and doing the whole thing. And so it's it's totally there. Like the 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 seedlings of this uh, future of new types of uh, company creation and activity are are already there and and are blossoming. That's really cool. That's amazing. Um, I'd love to like. I wonder if these models can be applied to like uh, bigger, harder projects. Like we've we've seen like ICOs for like layer ones, but not for like a fusion reactor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, cause, but to me, like, why not? Right? Like, why can't we fund something that is like a SpaceX, right? Like a yeah. competitor. Um, I was just like kind of one one of the things that mentioning of like having like my mind blown was that like really digging into the idea of DAOs that like these are like ways for to coordinate humans right and it's like almost like a, an enormous con like financial contract yeah but like doing it in a way that nobody gets screwed and you can actually coordinate like massive numbers of humans without any like friction um to me, it seems like those organizations could potentially like overtake the Google and Apple and Amazons. <laughs> that's like, a that's a hope, but I mean, at the same time, so when when people are super um, afraid of AI, it's like, yeah, sure, but like, look at the scale of the problems that we're facing as humanity, and like, we as human are so wasteful, right? Like yeah, the way the yeah. our use of resources is so dumb on the aggregate, right? And and it feels like we're regressing to debating truths that should have been settled a long right. time ago, yeah. right? Like we're and uh, and pretending that truths are are um, fiction and and debating whether that's true or not. So, like, I think we need the adoption of these technologies to accelerate even further because that's the only way that we're going to solve some of these uh, these problems. And so, I'm I'm super part of the reason why I'm so excited about participating in crypto is because. When I first came to Silicon Valley in 2013 and talking to my partners who had been part of the dot-com boom, I felt like I had arrived way too late. Like, yeah, way, yeah, way, yeah. way too late. <laughs> yeah. Now it feels like finally like, okay, now we actually have a chance to, to do something different and actually see whether we can do any better than the prior generations. Yep. Yeah, now it feels early. Like I think when it feels early, it means like product market fit is really hard. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, um, I mean, like one of the, I think for for like our project or layer one, there's this like really hard challenge of almost having to IPO before you get product market fit. Yeah, and that's something that I think no other kind of company has to deal with. Yeah, um, and. Part part of like you know the the cycle of a company right a traditional company right you so go through your raises and each milestone is really like an expansion of like can you scale your business up yep. here we almost have to start globally both in like because decentralization is one of its core components like you have to bootstrap a global network a global network of users a global network of validators a global network of everything yeah. <laughs> in multiple languages right and like yeah. It's crazy. I wonder almost if like, you know, if, if sure if nine out of 10 of these companies fail, but like the people that had to go through all these steps are probably getting the best kind of business school you can. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been interesting to see 
some of the early entrepreneurs that I that I met in in crypto kind of take a break from the space for a couple of years and then come back um, and and trying again, but with a with a new angle or or more information and so on. Because yeah, I think it's it's really hard, um, and and especially when when the benchmark uh, against crypto is uh, Bitcoin and this kind of like almost religious type of birth of the protocol, right? Yep. Like with this uh, <laughs> mythical mythical <laughs> figure. Yeah. And so then like, if you're not a god that disappeared and was completely yep. selfless, then yep. you're a total scammer. It's, right. a, it's a pretty high bar, right? Like, um, yeah, so Solano is built by mere humans. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so then, uh, the, the honest is to prove that you're not a scammer uh, to the yeah. end of, the, of it, your days. It's, yep. it's pretty amazing. Um, do you guys see like um, on the consumer side? Have you have you guys seen like any interesting like dynamics emerge in like the last like year or two that that are promising? Yeah, I think. Um, well, I mean, we're we're early investors in in Brave, um, and so I think that notion of privacy. Um, I think today consumers are still. Are becoming more aware of the of the importance of, of privacy, but they're not taking action on it. And, and my suspicion is that the surface, like we're just as a as an average consumer, you're just not aware of how deep the creepiness of the ad tech ecosystem and the and yeah. the uh, government surveillance uh, capabilities are. And so, even if you try really hard, it's it's almost impossible for the average consumer yeah. to. Yep be any you know and and the problem is it, it's become it, it becomes a little bit binary where you have to go full edward snowden in terms of your operational security <laughs> uh, procedures or you're completely exposed kind of yeah. uh, scenario right because somebody that is really um trying to target you is gonna get to you like because it's um it's gonna be easier for them it's so asymmetric the the nature of the of the threat that for most consumers it's just gonna be easier to keep scrolling on facebook and and looking at puppy dogs yeah. right i mean like yeah and it's it's just like the usability around because of edtech the usability of the web just keeps getting worse right yeah. we went from like pop-ups to pop-up blockers to like ads that are like in the content to like yeah. ad blockers and now ad blockers and blockers <laughs> just like keeps getting worse i'm i hope that like part of this like idea that you mentioned that like we now have a way to transfer value with information at like no cost is that like we can start replacing advertisement as a form of that yep like because like to me an ad is almost was like the original micropayment like I show you an ad that Google gives me 0.2 cents, yep. right, for that. And that, that's kind of like how we settled, <laughs> yep. right? Like, And if we can get rid of that, like, there's a chance that, like, a social network that just runs a bunch of crypto, like, a crypto economy within it could potentially make as much money or even more just from the interactions that the users have without, without stealing their data and giving them advertisement. Yeah. Yeah, and I think... Um, Hopefully the the usability becomes um, better because the the power of defaults is real in my opinion and and so if you imagine that by default you had um, your traffic go through VPN and your web browser operate on your behalf rather than on the behalf of, of 
somebody else and you have more control about what your data where your data is located and, and how it's used and i don't think this can be government mandated by the way because i think like there's yeah. so many problems with regulation that happens at the geo place and information that just doesn't care about those uh, barriers um, that would be a, a much better world for for the consumers right because in other geographies um, it seems like the balance of power of technology has just gone on on the favor of whether it is governments authoritarian regimes um, and and these technologies are, are just becoming more pervasive and so on. And, and there's going to be a point where there's not going to be uh, a way to unwind that because as we know, it's like with metadata and with multiple data sets, it's very easy to cross correlate somebody with very high levels of precision. I'm, I'm not sure if we're already past, I think we might be past that point. Probably. <laughs> like at, at least I think in the, like U.S. and Europe, we have like a decent like government infrastructure to where like consumers can like make their voice heard and be like, "Hey, there's like GDPR, right?" And, and laws like that, as mis as broken as some of them are, like are at least I think a step forward. Like California basically passed its own version. Yep. And because California is large enough, I think it'll actually push that standard across the rest of the states. I think so. Yeah. Um, but then when it comes to value, right, given that value has been regulated in a dramatically different way, um, that's going to be a big battle for all of the projects, right? So it's, it's not surprising that it has taken a lot longer than any of the projects uh, hoped in order to launch your kind of like go from ICO to publicly uh, traded tokens in, in some ways. Because then you have to navigate not just the, the technical elements of the protocol design, but then figure out how to interact with this uh, set of laws and, and yeah, just not go to jail in the, <laughs> right. in yep. the process, right? So it, it has been difficult to get to that point, to the point to, to then launch and to then start figuring out the use cases for your protocol and, yep. and your technology, right? So uh, it, it goes back to what you're saying of the development cycle of these uh, companies and these technologies is following a slightly different uh, curve just by virtue of the new funding mechanisms that become available to this. And the notion that the tokens themselves hold value, right? And so then they will, um, it's kind of like if the, if the share of Facebook was being used in the newsfeed uh, to productize that newsfeed, right? It, it, yep. doesn't ex it doesn't happen that way in, in traditional technologies, right? <laughs> and, but in this case, open source um, might um, work that way. Yeah. I, I mean, it's possible that Facebook could be an innovator there. I mean, they are la launching Libra and like, who the hell knows, right? Like maybe they, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> maybe they get rid of ads altogether. Like I always like, this is like the, ridiculous part of the pitch that I give to like non-crypto people that yeah. like why the hell are you even working on this is like well look like financial transactions like are like 20 trillion dollars a year in fees like all the 20 yeah. trillion dollars worth of like part of the global like e like GDP goes into just financial stuff yeah. like if we can reduce that with software in any measurable way that's just like free money giving back to the world like yeah. why wouldn't we do this yeah yeah. Um, 
Cool. Well, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, first of all, like you guys have been like an awesome supporter of Solana, especially just you, Rodolfo. So I'm honored to, to actually have this conversation with you. Um, and like, I look forward to like hearing many more announcements coming out of Foundation Capital about amazing projects that you guys have funded and succeeded. And yeah, super awesome to have you here. We're, we're very excited. Cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Take care.